Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 270 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you are doing well and having a great day. So today is a solo episode. And uh, this is actually an episode that I've been wanting to do for a while. But uh, honestly, I feel really vulnerable in putting uh, something like this together. And uh, this past year, actually, I I would say, yeah, the good majority of last year, I I knew I was heading in this direction, but I also quickly realized that I had to do a lot of my own work, whether it was doing therapy or, or having support groups or talking with friends or even journaling. And I came to realize that this episode is actually a moment of joy because it means that I'm listening to my hopes and my dreams and not my fears. So you're probably wondering what this hype is all about. Not really hype, but in short, uh, I've decided to no longer be in private practice and instead dedicate 100% of my time and energy to building out Selling the Couch and uh, serving our field through this medium that I've been given. And in this episode, what I wanted to do was give you behind the scenes of this decision. And with it, my hope is twofold. One, to be able to share these big and painful moments in the business journey, because honestly, we need to talk about moments like this. Small business is not easy, and it's actually full of a lot of pivots and and realizations. And sometimes you look on social media and you see these highlights and you're like, man, does the person not have any of these like hard moments that I'm having? And for me, it's actually, you know, and it's actually not been the case. You know, there's a range of different things that come with small business ownership. And then my second hope is just to provide encouragement for you if you've been sitting on a dream and having a hard time just moving forward. The structure for this episode and just thinking about it, what I wanted to do was first just briefly share my own professional story. And then two, just share five of the reasons or five of the thought processes that informed this this decision. And then finally, I just want to answer some of the common questions that I imagine you may have. For example, you know, will I keep my license active? Will you ever go into private practice? Or how will this change STC? Hey, friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April. 
with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So in getting ready for this session, I just wanted to briefly share my story. And I actually never imagined becoming a psychologist, truth be told. Throughout high school, I took a bunch of uh, AP science and math classes and actually went into undergrad uh, as pre-med because I had always dreamed about going to medical school and becoming a pediatrician. Uh, prior to that, and and still people still tell me this, that they tell me that I'm really good with kids and probably because I'm kind of a goofy guy, but I could actually also see myself dedicating a career to helping kids. There's just something, you know, I I feel like we're all gifted in different ways. And I think one of my giftings is just to be able to relate to kids and teens in just a, a, in a different way. But I learned the three semesters into my undergrad career that the whole pre-med thing was just not something I could do. To be honest, I really struggled academically. Being at a very competitive school, I actually had a a very generous scholarship uh, there. And I was doing so bad academically that I actually went on, briefly was on academic probation. And it wasn't that I wasn't trying. I was actually really trying really hard. It just, I realized that my brain just was not wired that way. And I, you know, I loved a lot of the peers that I was with, but then I saw that a lot of, you know, the other peers that I was with who were also doing pre-med, it was super cutthroat. And Honestly, I just couldn't imagine spending the rest of my career with folks like that. I ended up picking psychology because I I found my intro psych class really interesting. And I think maybe I I picked it also just to learn a little bit more about myself. But loved ones and even a college professor that I respected basically told me not to go into psychology because I wouldn't make any money. Well, two reasons. One, I would never make any money. And two, literally though well-meaning, maybe, I don't know. They literally told me that if I saw a lot of people with a lot of mental health issues, that I too would develop mental health issues and and pretty much go crazy, which was, you know, when you're 18 or 19 years old, you just realize like the power of words, you know? And I think in my mind, I wanted to prove them wrong. And I ended up graduating. I took another year to just to take some local grad level classes psychology classes at a a local university, while also just wanting to make sure that this is truly something I wanted to do and dedicate a career to. And early on, I knew that I wanted to do some teaching, but primarily it was to do clinical work. And honestly, all I ever knew about clinical work back then was working in an inpatient facility or being in private practice. As I mentioned, I finished undergrad, took a year to apply, and was just very fortunate to get accepted directly into a PhD program. And I'll always be grateful for my PhD program at TWU because I felt like being a psychologist 
that's where I felt like being a psychologist and psychology was my life's calling. Um, I was very fortunate to go through grad school and then match at, at Vanderbilt for internship and then stayed there for my postdoc as well. And my plan originally was to work at a university counseling center and eventually become a training directory with, with a small therapy or an assessment practice on the side. And in grad school, and especially during internship and postdoc, I began to be exposed to psychologists and other therapists who were doing clinical work, but also doing really interesting things like consulting with pro-level golfers or testing clergy who were about to go into seminary, or even writing books or doing paid speaking or launching online courses. And looking back, I learned two very valuable lessons during grad school, internship, and my postdoc. Uh, first was from my professor who used to say, rather my supervisor who used to say, Melvin, when you get licensed, always have your hand in multiple pots when it comes to income. And I think what I took away from that was just to honor my creativity, but also practically to have uh, to do a, a diverse range of things in order to bring income, because you just never know where there could be dips in income or anything like that, right? And the second one was to see the skills that I was ex acquiring as applicable in other realms or domains beyond just the therapy room. Like, for example, I, I mentioned, you know, I had a, a wonderful supervisor who also would do consulting with golfers during the weekend lot of like sports psychology related stuff. And I, I don't know, it just hearing that for the first time, it kind of moved my mind. Like, what, what do you mean I can actually be out of the therapy room and, and do stuff and I can actually use some of these skill sets. But there was something in me during, I think, all of those experiences, something was energized in me and, and, and ideas started to like really percolate for me. The truest measure of these ideas has actually been with selling the couch. You know, for example, I think of the clinical skills that I've developed, you know, at this point, gosh, I started my practicum, my first practicum placement back in 2005. And so this is a good 16 years worth of clinical work, right? And I think those clinical skills and learning how to deepen conversations and to have these like real moments of connection and vulnerability, I think it helps me to be, for example, a better interviewer on, on this podcast. I think I'm halfway decent at interviewing. I'm still learning and getting better. I also realize that it helps me to effectively teach when I create podcasts like this or create a video or do an online course or if I'm doing any sort of group coaching or consulting or anything like that. These skills allow me to take complex situations and break them down into, into simple truths. About two years ago, I decided to open a small online practice alongside of selling the couch. Nothing fancy, honestly, just a half day of, client, of seeing clients because selling the couch was honestly keeping me really busy. And it was, yeah, and I, I just didn't want to like overwhelm myself, especially with having a new baby. And what I realized was that there was definitely a part of me that loves therapy. I love that that moment of connection. I love just the vulnerability and, and someone trusting you so deeply to be able to share things perhaps they haven't even shared with anyone else. But then if just looking back, I think there was also a part of me that felt like 
I could only be legitimate with selling the couch, even though I'm not a private practice coach and and don't advertise like that. And my knowledge and expertise is mainly focused on income and impact beyond the therapy room. But I just felt like if I was in private practice, maybe I would be seen as more more legitimate. And uh, you can probably start to read between the lines of, you know, where my own trauma and all of these things kind of impacted how I saw STC and even how I saw my career evolving. Now, practically, having two businesses meant that I had different bank accounts, different LLCs, two different websites, because I just wanted to keep everything legally and financially accurate and and sort of on par, right? Plus, even though, you know, I know that I don't really see myself this way, I know that I have, you know, a lot of a lot of you uh, trust me, and, and I feel that weight, you know, of that trust uh, in a good way to always want to do things well. And what I realized is creating this setup, i.e., having these two businesses, was in direct conflict with one of my really core values, which is to create a life and a business of ease and flow. That the longer I am in doing these things, that it actually smooths out over time. And I think there was a part of me that was trying to prove everyone wrong by being so financially and business-wise successful at everything I did. But the truth is, it's taken a toll on my mental health. Susan has noticed that, you know, I've been more irritable and uh, just seem more sad and more more like worried about things. Uh, it's definitely not like who I normally am. And even actually this past year during this pandemic, I got back into seeing a regular therapist. And one of the things that I've just been working on is building the life, the schedule, and the focus that I truly want, and not what I or others think I need. And I came to five realizations this year, and I just wanted to share these with you. The first realization is managing and growing one business is really hard. I've been doing Selling the Couch for seven years now. And what I realized is managing two businesses is not something that I'm wired to do. My mind does really well when I can focus on one thing and then have lots of time to just rest and let my mind wander so that I can navigate and figure out different things. One issue that I was having was that my mind was not shutting down because I was having to think about two different businesses. And this was leading to just chronic anxiety and difficulties with sleep. And what I came to the realization this year uh, was rather than trying to just push through, which is what the old Mel would have done, I just have to say, hey, it's okay to do less and to do that with purpose. The second realization that I had was I know my life's calling and I have uber clear clarity on what that is. And it's simply to serve you and our field through selling the couch. One of the last live streams that I did, actually the last live stream that I did was I, I began to, I talked about the top five regrets of the dying. And this was actually based on a book and research by a palliative care nurse whose name is Bronnie Ware, and she studied hundreds of people on their deathbeds, asking them what their biggest regrets in life were. And the number one regret was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. And what I realized is I love creating this podcast. I love learning 
to be a better servant leader through the small team that helps me run STC. I love pushing the envelope of what we can do with the skills that that we have as clinicians to help us think through how we can create an impact and income beyond the therapy room. And I think what I've realized is it's perfectly okay to shift dreams as we gain new experiences and clarity. I tell that all the time to folks, to friends, to folks that I I do consults on or coaching calls on. And for some reason, I think until this year, I've had a really hard time owning that and just living that out. And what I've ultimately realized is a great quote that I that hangs on my wall. I, I first heard it from Pat Flynn, but I don't I think they're I, I don't know if he's the original person who came up with this, which is that I don't want to live a life of what ifs. I'd rather live a life of oh wells. I don't want to live a life of what ifs. I'd rather live a life of oh wells. Now the third reason for this shift is that I have my ideal schedule. As I was thinking about writing the notes for this episode, I realized that from 2012, which is when I first got licensed, until now, I've gone from working five days, including two nights and half a day on Saturday, seeing something like 25 to 30 clients, to now working four days a week during the day. And this has been really steady and really gradual. I've just intentionally, as STC has continued to grow and been able to financially support our family, I've been just strategically pulling back on time slots that were no longer serving me well and honestly were in conflict with that value of creating a life of ease and flow. So now my current ideal schedule is I, it involves a four hour block in the morning of deep work. So for example, my Wednesday morning deep work is recording podcast interviews and I'm doing that right now or uh, reaching out to podcast guests for, for the new season of the podcast. Then I have quiet and yeah, these are basically quite uninterrupted time to work each week on big projects like online courses or if I'm, you know, doing other kind of things. It really varies by day, but generally the the structure is a four-hour block in the morning where I'm doing deep work. Other times I might be doing group coaching or consults or something like that. But then but around 1 p.m. I typically do a 45-minute hike at a local park that I absolutely love. And typically I'm like, I found that I can do masterminds really well and I get very creative when I'm also hiking. So typically I'm doing like a a phone call mastermind during this time, or I'm just uh, catching up with with a friend or something like that. Then around, you know, 1.45, I'll grab a quick shower. Then around two o'clock, I'll grab just a a 25-minute power nap. And then I use that 2.30 to 3 time for any sort of meetings that I might need. So typically if I'm meeting with my virtual assistant or something like that, I usually just use it for that. And then I wrap up the day with two hours of learning time. So this could be I some days I'm learning podcasting, other days I'm learning about online courses, other times I might just be reading a book, a business book, and just trying to, you know, further my knowledge. And what I've realized is this schedule allows me to do things that I truly enjoy, quite uninterrupted time to work on big things time to exercise and get out in nature, time to take a nap because I love naps. <laughs> and, and then finally, just time to learn and just to kind of pause and, and broaden my knowledge. 
And what I honestly realized is I'm happy. Not like every day, but I would say like 90 to 95% of days, I, I wake up genuinely content and grateful and happy and excited to do what I'm going to be tackling that day. And I just had to say to myself, Mel, isn't the whole point of launching and building a small business, isn't the whole point to create something that's financially successful, but ultimately also gives you meaning and purpose and and flexibility. The fourth reason, so again, the, f- the first three reasons are uh, managing a, and growing a business is really hard and trying to manage two is something I'm just not managing and growing one business is really hard. Man, trying to manage two is not something I'm wired to do. Second, I'm uber clear on my life's calling, which is to serve each of you. And the third one is I have my ideal schedule. And the fourth one is I want to create more margin in my life. In other words, I don't want to pack my schedule so tight that I'm so busy being busy that I don't have time to enjoy the business journey. I've seen this, in fact, with with friends and with colleagues, uh, the things that, you know, sometimes they'll post on social media. And it's like, I just, I, I look at that and I'm like, and not in a judgmental sort of way, but more of like, you know, sort of checking myself, but being like, man, you guys are so busy. I just wonder how exhausting this must be, you know? And honestly, for me, I've done the busy thing before and, and it's honestly led to burnout, depression and anxiety. And it's just not something that I, it's not a pattern that I want to get into again. And the other reason is just, you know, part of creating margin is I just want to be kind to my future self. I mentioned this back in session 264 of the podcast, which is all about creating an effective note-taking and learning system. But I, as my business grows, I want to do things with intention and care. I want to launch different things, but ultimately I want to, I don't want to launch and do anything that's actually going to distract or detract from the maximal sort of time and and creating my ideal schedule. And then there's also just a couple of practical reasons of wanting to create this more of this margin in my life. Practically, you know, our, our daughter, Chloe's getting older. You know, I want to spend as much time with, with my wife, Susan, and with Chloe. With Chloe, I want to be able to pick her up and drop her off from school. I want to be a parent chaperone on field trips, or uh, I don't know if they still do this, but let me know if they don't do this. But you know, like for like, I want to be able to drop in on lunches and just have lunch with my daughter and just be generally available, you know, if something comes up and to volunteer and things like that. And then another practical reason is, you know, our our parents are getting older and I know there will come a day where we may have to take them to doctor's appointments and such. And I just want to sort of start now where I'm building a business with maximal margin so that if we, you know, if and when we arrive at that point, I'm not then stressed and scrambling. The other reason for margin is, you know, I've been doing, I usually don't share stuff like this because it's just not really part of my personality, but I've been doing some volunteering just to deliver meals uh, to those who are struggling during this pandemic. And I've really enjoyed that ability to serve and recenter myself in gratitude. Uh, Volunteering was something that I did a lot of when I was was younger. And when we started a family here in the last couple of years, it's just been a little bit harder to do that. But I realized I really do enjoy that and wanting to get back into, into doing that as well. And then the final thing, I, I just, you know, we as a family just would love to spend more time in India. 
because half of our family still lives there. And so I have the um, equivalent of a dual citizenship. So I was born in India, but, you know, so I have my Indian passport, but I'm also a U.S. citizen. And so, you know, there's one of the nice things is, you know, I can sort of live where I want (laughs) between these two countries. And yeah, a lot of my, our family is still there and I just want to be able to spend time with them. You know, I'm really hoping this pandemic will be over because, you know, I still have living grandparents and it would just, one of my biggest dreams is actually for us to be able to go back to India and for my dad and mom to come and for me and Chloe to be there and then my grandparents to be there and then for us to just spend time and hopefully take a picture of four generations, you know? So what I just ultimately, what I realized is I don't want to be so busy running multiple things that I miss out on the ability to create and create space for these other things, which just seem so much more valuable than just simply focusing on on income. And the final reason is I you know, as as I mentioned, I've been doing more consulting and coaching. And what I realized is doing those fulfills those moments of deep connection that I love about therapy. Last year, I launched a mastermind focused on monetizing your podcast called Healthcasters Elite. For now, it's only open to folks who've gone through the Healthcasters podcasting course, but I've just thoroughly enjoyed creating this mastermind, thoroughly enjoyed the folks that I've gotten to work with. And yeah, and just there's like such a joy that I feel. And uh, this year I'm doing some small, you know, just one-on-one consults, mainly focused on launching a podcast or monetizing your podcast or creating an online course or creating effective webinars. And though I'm still learning, I think these are things that I've been doing for several years and I feel confident in sharing. And honestly, just doing these consults and coaching have just been wonderful from a connection and energy perspective. And in fact, I find myself nerding out before sessions, just trying to learn and share knowledge to be of value. So I wanted to wrap up with just answering a couple of obvious questions. So, or maybe obvious, maybe not obvious, but will I keep my psychology license active? So yes, because honestly, I didn't anticipate creating this episode when I started STC seven years ago. So my plan is still to keep my license active and do all of the continuing education things and all of those kind of things. And then the next question is, what will I do with my private practice website? For now, I'm just going to place a banner that says something to the effect of, hi, thanks for stopping by. I'm currently not seeing clients due to focusing on running my other business, selling the couch, and just kind of link out to that. And then let me just make sure I know that I had asked some other sort of questions. Uh, Will you ever go into private practice again? I don't know. I mean, I feel like the coaching and consulting fulfills that connection for me. So I don't know, that's kind of a to be determined. And then how will this change STC and and even this podcast? Actually, I don't see any major changes. I mean, I imagine still interviewing successful private practitioners about how they're creating impact and income in the therapy room. I think what it'll sort of strategically change for me is in terms of the products and things that I launch, I think what I realized is my passion and my calling is impact and income beyond the therapy room. So any of these things that I launch will, you know, primarily be focused on that because that's the stuff that I live and breathe every day with STC. And then, well, last two questions is, do you think you'll regret this? I think this is always a fear that I have. I don't know. I I don't think so. 
I think one thing I've learned is that it's good to create a business and do things that bring joy and purpose. And honestly, having just done so much work the past year on this and my fears around this, what I realized is, you know, letting go of the private practice dream has actually freed up so much joy and purpose that was that I didn't realize was was not was there. And but you know, at the same time, um, I'm holding everything loosely and learning to just appreciate these moments and just learning to appreciate the small business journey. And then the last question is, are you scared? Of course, um, I think there's a part of me that was also using private practice as a crutch in some ways, telling myself if I had two businesses and limited time, it's really hard for me to go into all, you know, to go all in on one. And so there is a part of me I'm scared about going all in because it feels uh, scary and it feels unfamiliar. But I'm also just trusting, you know, this podcast, literally, I recorded this on a TV stand that we had bought from Walmart or Target or somewhere like that. And, and literally, my home office was that TV stand was a room of boxes and then that TV stand. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes you just have to trust the process and just, uh, just enjoy the journey. So I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. And I wanted to wrap up with a quote that has been hanging on my on my post-it wall this year. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I will, oh, you know what? Before I forgot, I totally forgot to share my quote. This is a quote that's hung on my wall, and it's a quote from Joseph Campbell. And I just wanted to leave this episode with this because I know this probably resonates for many of you. And it says, we must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to live the life that is waiting for us. We must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. You know, for me, I think this quote really resonates because as I think about my own professional and personal journey, you know, I, I think about that 18-year-old, you know, that was going into that intro psych class, that 18-year-old that was struggling with, you know, career and and feeling like it was just grasping for something, you know. And and I think, you know, in many ways, I think this episode is sort of like a bookend to that that story of my life. Not that it won't come back, but I think it's, in a way, it's, I think it's way of saying to that 18-year-old, hey, things are okay. You know, things will be okay. Have a great rest of your day. Um, show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 270. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.